and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean, and this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life. And this podcast is primarily for our church, Sacred City Church, but we know that there's other people and pastors that listen to to this and find it helpful, and we're, we're thankful for you as well. Um, with me on the podcast today is our pastor of discipleship, Rob Spikestra. Hello, folks. My pastoral assistant, Kevin Knorr. Hey, guys. And our deacon of Sacred City Youth, Alex Tate. How's it going, guys? And what we want to do is, uh, you, you've probably been noticing, we've been posting some um, other content on the podcast. We really want this to be a place where you can just further your discipleship and you can uh, do some Bible study, different things. And so we had a men's talk, a men's day, probably a month ago now. And, um, and Pastor Rob spoke on the first three chapters of Daniel. It was called Leading and Living in Babylon. And it was just really helpful for us. Our men really enjoyed it. And we wanted to uh, post it to make it available to the wider church community. And uh, the guys that missed it, they can find it. And so that's what that's what we've been doing. And then we've been going what we've called Beyond Babylon. Yeah. And just talking about it. You know, like... Rob had a very specific uh, time timeline, and he was he milked every minute of that timeline, <laughs> and then he was done. And then we oh we, what we got questions. Oh, time's up. So uh, we want to work through some of those questions and maybe even work out some more of the implications. And so we've been sitting in it now for about a month. We've been mm-hmm. after Rob's taught it, and um, um, and so I've been sitting in it. I've been thinking about it, and so we wanted to talk a little bit. Um, about Rob's talk uh, on Daniel chapter three, and if you want to catch us up to speed, quick, Rob, just big big picture, where are we at when we start ch- Daniel chapter three? Yeah, Daniel chapter three. So if you remember Daniel two, and I actually when I spoke, I I, I went back to Daniel two at the end where uh, Daniel has revealed, actually God has revealed to to Nebuchadnezzar through Daniel the. The dream that, that Nebuchadnezzar had, and this dream was of this great statue, of which at the top of the statue was this gold golden head, which was identified as the the, uh, the empire of Babylon, and then there were other lesser um, metals as as it kind of looked out into the future of these lesser empires. So, so the intent was. It should have, Nebuchadnezzar should have bowed, you know, really bowed down before God at this point because God has done something no one else could do, and that is that He's revealed this dream that that um, that He had. But Nebuchadnezzar, in his sinfulness, rather than rather than bowing before and recognizing His place in the universe, which is just a very small place in terms of what God's story is over our world, over the universe, he decided the good idea for him was to <laughs> create his own statue, his own golden statue uh, for the, his people, uh, everybody within the Babylonian empire to bow down to, mm. bow down to, sorry, bow down to. Uh, and so rather than r- learning the lesson of where he fit in the universe, he thought he thought he was pretty much on top of the universe yeah. at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and we, we also see Daniel being developed in those first two chapters where mm-hmm. Daniel Daniel is this man of God who keeps an appropriate amount of separation between him and um, the king, between him and Nebuchadnezzar, between him and the state, between him and idols. Yeah, you know, we he had had he had the clarity to draw a line in the sand and say, mm-hmm. um, "I won't eat the king's food." Yep, chapter one. And yep. I'm I'm not going to you know 
you know, do these things. And so, and so there was this line in the sand where he, he recognized that the king, the state, did not have authority over that aspect of his life. That aspect of his life was under God's authority. Right. Um, and we could learn that same lesson. Many people, you know, surface level go to Romans chapter 13 and think there that Christians are to submit to all the governing authorities no matter what they ask. Right, and right. they don't realize that's spoken into a context where there's already... Uh, a limiting of governmental power. There's mm-hmm. already obey God and and not man. There's mm-hmm. already that throughout all of Scripture. We see Babylon over and over and over, and we are to resist the pull to be contextualized, uh, or maybe not contextualized, but complicit with Babylon. Right, yeah. right, that's right. And so there's some things we can contextualize too, but then there's some things we have to draw a line. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's not just bowing down to a physical golden idol. I think most Christians know if, you know, if Biden sets up a golden idol that we must bow to, <laughs> most Christians are probably going to go, I think that's a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is um, it, it, it's rarely just a golden idol. Right. It's usually something a little less innocuous, you know, something a little, you know, a little less, you know, ob- obtuse that you're really going to be shocked with. Mm-hmm. And we have to draw the line in the sand earlier than full out uh, worshiping of of a golden of a golden idol, you know, and even in that day, uh, even in, in Nebuchadnezzar's day, it didn't seem that like a, that big of a deal for the. Because what he did is he brought together all of his leadership yeah. from all around the uh, Babylonian Empire, and really it was a time for you know to alliances to be made. It was for people to kind of put themselves, you know, kind of politically move themselves in and out of mm-hmm. of where they were within his kingdom. And so, hey, what you know, what's the big deal? You know, bow down before this, right. this, this. Uh, who knows if they even believed in this thing? But they just know that this is the way to get get advanced into the empire, into the kingdom. So, mm. you know, for them, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. It's like um, kissing the king's ring. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. So, and this is and and this is where I'll import some of my talk from yeah. from Porterbrook on Saturday. It's a pagan worldview, right? Which means there is no in the pagan worldview, everything in creation is up for worship and even behind everything in creation is some kind of spirit or some kind of gods. Yeah. And the, the idea in all pagan worship is there's a lot of gods out there and, and nobody's God is above all of them. You know, there is no one creator, right. transcendent, holy God. Mm. Everything is spiritual. Everything is religious. Everything is kind of, you know, this is really the definition here of religious pluralism. Nobody's one God is correct. Mm-hmm. And so what's the big deal if you throw one more golden idol into that? Right, You're that's our, exactly you know, right. Right? And mm-hmm. so it's just, just do the thing. The problem is Daniel does not have that pantheistic worldview, that, that pagan worldview. He knows there is, a there is every other religion in the world fits in that circle, but his religion is has a transcendent holy God that's outside of the system, that, yeah. that you cannot worship God and idols. Mm-hmm. And so because he has this worldview, you know, he steps in here and he knows I would have to compromise mm-hmm. my faith yeah. in order to eat the king's food and in order to mm-hmm. in order to to bow down to this to this idol. Yeah, and it's interesting when you come to uh, in chapter 3, you come to his friends, so this is Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and they, you know, they said uh, so, so the king says, "Just, just bow down." And he said, "Oh, we, we don't have to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery 
furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Now, right there, that's what's showing with what you're talking about. And you mentioned on Saturday, I think it was just a tremendous help, helpful to just kind of understand the world that we live in. So one ism, two ism. This is a two ism. This yes. is a, yes, there is a God outside of this our world, and that's exactly what his friends understood. They understood yeah. there is a God who is able to deliver them out of the hand of, in this time, the greatest you know king. He he did have the power to throw these men into a fiery furnace if he wanted to, and but he they knew that there was a God outside of him that had a greater power than him. But then it's what's really interesting is then they say, but if not, so in other words, if God yeah. doesn't choose to do that. Let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your God, your gods, or worship the golden image that you have set up. And so they, they understood. And so, if it be so that you do not determine to take us out of the your the ability of the king to throw us in the fire sinners, that's okay because we have something better, mm. something outside of this world yeah. that is yeah. better than life yeah. itself, which is just amazing to me that yeah, they you know they had that understood. They understood that about who God is. And this wasn't just. Um, Something, how do I say this? This wasn't just like a private belief down deep in yeah. Daniel's heart. Daniel realized his his cosmology mm -hmm. was such that Nebuchadnezzar, there's one above you. Yeah, right. And, you, and, it, and I will submit to you and I will obey you until you tell me to do anything that would cause me to either go against my conscience or go against the, the, revealed, the re revealed will of God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so- he knew in this moment to obey God meant to disobey right. the governing authority, meant right. to disobey Nebuchadnezzar. Right, right, right. And he knew that means Nebuchadnezzar, you're in rebellion against the Almighty God. Like you're the one who's out of line here, mm -hmm. not me. Mm -hmm. And so whether I die or not, you're gonna you're gonna have to answer to God. Yes. You know, yes. and we could translate that just right, move it right forward to today. <laughs> we obey the governing authorities as long as they don't. Disobey God. They yeah. don't tell us to disobey God. Mm -hmm. And if they tell it, you know, there's lots of times they do tell us to disobey God. And same thing with, you know, respecting and honoring our parents. We obey our parents until they tell us to do something that dishonors God. Mm -hmm. We obey our boss until they tell us to do something that disobeys mm -hmm. the scriptures, yeah. right? So we see this, you know, this limited government, this, this idea of limited government right here mm -hmm. in Daniel, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. So, and I think it's, it's important for us living in, um, living in, in today's day to just know like we don't do everything the government tells us to do, yeah. <laughs> you know? But it's yeah. key because he knew the word, yeah. you know, and that's, that, that's the main piece there that, I mean, all these things would have not have happened or he would not have, you know, stood his ground if he didn't know what scripture said for himself and have a burn in his soul where, yeah. you know, he knew that, you know, God was above. Yep. You know, and I, one of the things that I think we need to keep in mind is that they were showing what I would call joyful courage. Yeah. And what strikes me about what you just said there and what you said about the word is that what they knew about God was that not only was God said, these, this is what you ought to do or not ought to do, but they also knew that God was much better than Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Yes. In other words, who God is in character, who God yeah. is in the essence of who he is, as they kind of stared at Nebuchadnezzar and then they stared at the God of the Bible, the God mm. of the word that had been revealed to them, they knew that, Oh no! Much better to, much better to follow this God who is incredibly wonderful, you know, yes. merciful, kind. Uh, th that gave them because if you if you when you read through all three of these chapters, their calm is striking. 
Mm. In every situation that we find them having to to make a decision, you never find kind of this, these yelling crazy people, you know, yeah. je- you know, pushing back against government. We'll say, but rather they're they're just calm and they're clear, and they seem to have a sense of peace in the way that they're responding. And I think that comes out of their understanding of who God is and whom they are serving, so that. They're, they're happy to do this. Yeah. And I think that's good for us to be reminded on our side of things that um, now in our day, and, and that is that we are told that we will go through suffering. Mm-hmm. We are told that we're going to be persecuted. This is part of what it means to follow Christ. Matter of fact, Jesus said to his disciples, said, uh, you must take up your cross every single day. That means that there's a daily decision that we need to be making that we're going to today, follow Christ, even if that means we're going to suffer for Christ. Yeah. Now, if that was a terrible thing and he wasn't very fun to follow, that would be an awful day, you know? Yeah. But he isn't. He wants us to see the glory and joy of who he is so that we do this joyfully. And and, and, and so we can we can respond to these moments when we really do have to re- resist the yeah. authority over us. We can respond in a way that is calm, clear, kind, but very you know, straight. I like how you say that because I think it's almost like he's, obviously he's informed by the story of God so far. He's seen seen authority go bad in Babel. He's seen authority go bad over and over and over. He knows the story of the Exodus. He knows what Pharaoh did. He knows all this. And he sees the story of the one man, the one faithful man, and you know, Noah and Abraham Mm -hmm. and Moses, the one man who who stood against the tide of, of whatever, the prevailing notions of the day. And it's like he's rehearsed that so much and he's prepared to suffer that when he sees it, he's like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. this is what they do. <laughs> yep. This is another what, one. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah for it sure. is another it's, one. But, Every generation. But right. for, for us, it's such a surprise yeah. to think of our <laughs> government or, or rulers over us or whatever, the elite, to think of us suffering persecution and having to stand up against that tide Mm -hmm. for us, it seems, you know, new or it seems abnormal or it seems, you know, like, like you're being rebel, you're just being rebellious or you're just being, you know, something like that. When, no, this is, I mean, we were talking about the Protestant, you know, the Roman, um, uh, the Protestant Reformation, you know, like that was another example of, of a man of God saying, yep. nope, <laughs> I'm not going to, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And so there, I think there, there's something about that, that we should expect it. And if you expect it, then you can be calm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, you've, you've rehearsed it beforehand. Right. You know, it's coming. Yeah. <clears throat> but that calmness is juxtaposed against Nebuchadnezzar's yeah. rage. Because yes. we, we, we yeah. sa- he says it again oh here goodness. in verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought. You know, he's going to throw them in the fire. In a furious, <laughs> in a yes. furious rage. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, you know, and why won't these Christians just do what they're told? Yeah, why won't yeah. these people just kiss my ring? It's not a big deal. Bow down. What is, and how many Christians would go, honestly, guys, how many Christians would go, well, I'll do it, but I'm yeah. not doing it in my heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not in our, 
You right. know what I mean? Like I've got my yeah. fingers crossed behind my back. Right. Like I'm yeah. going to bow down to this stupid gold thing, just, but I'm not going to worship it. I'm yeah. just going to look like I am because I don't want to die and I've got kids and yeah. I've got all this stuff. And that's just like the world right now is just the, the cancel culture, right? I mean, it's, I mean, so many people are, are willing just to go with the flow of the culture and follow the herd off the cliff rather than, you know, understand God's word and make a stand mm-hmm. um, of what God says and mm-hmm. be okay with being canceled in the midst of, you know, following who Christ is and, yeah. and suffering joyfully like these guys were not the happiness that's gone in a second when you, you know wake what? up. That's you know? a good point. And mm-hmm. it's in this text because when he calls them to bow down, Everyone bows down, (laughs) except for those three, like all the crowds, you know, have you seen that picture? It's kind of popular, like of Nazi Germany Mm -hmm. and everybody's given the Heil Hitler, except there's like one guy with his arms crossed going, I don't know about this, Mm. you know, and and I think a lot of people, and Mm. it's even in the American spirit, everybody Mm. wants to kind of be that guy. Yeah. But you, and you brought this up a lot. If you're not prepared. Yeah. You oh, yeah. in the moment you're, you're not, not going to be that guy. Yeah, no. You're going to go with the flow because you've been, even in our society you've been taught that religious pluralism and that kind of nice that nice, nice. spirit yes. just go with the flow Christian just go with the flow and Christians who just want to seat at the religious pluralism table yep. they want to be respected like all the other religions that have a voice at the table they're willing to basically put their conscience to the side and put the word of God to the side to sit down and be respected yep. in the halls in the halls of power. Yeah. And so, and I think that's why you have so many Christians uh, kowtowing to the sexual revolution mm. with LGBTQ+, the, that agenda, uh, egalitarian agenda, all, all kind of different uh, things right now because they've just, they've been so used to, to just, you know. Well, you know, and I think there's another idol out there that, that we probably don't, aren't aware of or, maybe we just don't want to face, and that is the idol of comfort. Because this, what is going on here, when, when Jesus tells us that we will be persecuted, when then we, the apostle takes the same theme up several times, the different apostles take this theme up of you will suffer. We, you know, that's not something that is a real popular message that we hear within our, within our churches anymore. You know, what is our theology of suffering? Uh, but it goes back to what you're saying, is, and that is that we need to be prepared in advance. In other words, we need to go back on the story and look at the story. And the story is, every generation, there, are, there, is, a, there is a empire, if you will, a people who are opposing God. And, and we should not be surprised that that's going to be our generation as well, yeah. and the next generation and next generation. And at the same time, that we will have to take a stand. And in taking that stand, we will, we will suffer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, we've lived in a culture that really idolizes comfort. And so it's hard as a Christian living in this this culture not to want to kind of hold on to that idol and say, hey, it's not that big of a deal. I can, I can still, as you pointed out, I can still honor Jesus in my heart. You know, it's this mm-hmm. in my heart kind of a thing. It's a private, you know, this is your private faith. Mm-hmm. And that comfort that you're talking about, it, it's seen in, I don't want to make this relationship weird. Right. Right? It's yeah. seen in, I don't want to, risk my job right. and the financial comfort, the financial lifestyle. I like the neighborhood. I like the house. And if I lose this job, I might have to downsize. I might have mm-hmm. to do something else. It's seen in the comfort of having a, you know, a, a, a school that gives you everything that you want. It's got all of the mm-hmm. extracurricular things. And I, I don't really want to go against the flow there. I mean, there's that, that comfort idol. It's not just this nice little pet no. that we have, you right. know, it's something that literally wants, it's a demon. It wants to steal, kill, yeah. and destroy yeah. 
real, true human flourishing, which is life with God, right? Yep. Yeah. And it gets us so comfortable with the, our standard of living, our comfortable relationship, our comfortable career, you know, whether it be in our, our families, all these different things, that ultimately when it's time to stand up, mm-hmm. we actually don't have the strength. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the, the person who, you know, let's just say he learned to swim when he was 10 years old, he's never swam, and then all of a sudden he's caught in a flood. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. he just, he hasn't been swimming. He hasn't been practicing. He, he doesn't have the strength. And I think that's where many of us are at today when we feel, you know, government out overstepping its bounds and, and getting more and more intrusive into our lives and pushing a truly pagan worldview mm-hmm. upon us, telling us just act like all the other religions. If you just act like all the other religions, you can be accepted. Mm-hmm. And now we're so, we just don't have the strength to finally right. stand up and go, we're not, we're not doing that anymore. Right, right, right. And we're not ready to suffer. And the sad thing, as I'm sitting here listening and thinking about it, is these guys, they were comfortable, but they were so comfortable with who God is. They were so taken with the beauty of God that they would rather die and by obey, obey God and die than disobey God and live. Yeah, and that's a really good point that you're bringing out. These are not, this, these guys aren't the, you know, they're, they're the cream of the crop. They're not, they're not the trash collectors uh, along the way <laughs> yeah. kind of a feel to it. I mean, they've got very important jobs. They've got great positions. They've got, they've got it. I yep. mean, they are in a great position and place. So it is, it's amazing that then when that is threatened, they're ready to give it up mm-hmm. in a moment. And I think you put, you, you keyed in on it and that is that they knew God. Yep. They knew the greatness of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just, there's, um, there's just something about what kills sin in our life or what will destroy our idols is the greater, that's why I had in my, in my, even my point, there was the greater satisfaction mm-hmm. found in God himself. The more we get to know him, the more we understand God's story, the more we understand uh, his story in terms of redemption and what that means for us, the quicker I think we will be able to crush these idols that seem to want to tear us down and take us away. It's almost like we need a worldview. We need a lens that goes in front of our eyes every day that reminds us we are living in the kingdom of God. God is our king. Jesus is our king. No matter what ruler tells me to do something, I'm not going to do it unless unless it's in obedience to God's word, right? Like that's... Because that that's they're just seeing, I hate, I'd say it like this, but they see through, I don't want to get too philosophical here. They see through the natural, they see mm-hmm. through the natural and they can see into the supernatural. Yeah. Isn't it interesting what Jesus tells the disciples when they ask him what to pray, how to pray? It is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's, you know, or even starting before that, hallowed be thy name, holy is your name. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about the prayer is, is that he, he says, yeah, by the way, pray daily. You know, it's a daily prayer. So I think this is what you're getting at. It's this daily prayer of, hey, you know, God, remind me again, you are holy. You are set apart. You are amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. This idea of God's kingdom coming out even today. Um, yeah, so it is interesting that that's what they, that's what he said to him. Know his kingdom, know him, know mm-hmm. the king, yeah. his kingdom. Yeah. And then, of course... 
not surprisingly, verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury uh, and the expression of his face was changed against it. Shadrach, Meshach, and <laughs> So the second time he freaks out. <laughs> yeah, his face is been changed. Now, we listen, we talked about like in Daniel chapter two and oh, it's either Christ or chaos. Yeah. You worship an idol, then you're out of control. Like, you know what I mean? You don't, you, you can't, you don't have that emotional center. Why? Because idols are weak. Idols are vulnerable. Right. Right. And they have no real power to them. Right. And so Nebuchadnezzar, mm. once again, he did not learn the lesson from art from chapter two, chapter two, he worshiped an idol and he lost sleep and it went bad for him and all this stuff. God gave him a dream. God gave him an opportunity to believe. And he's really squandered that again. And here he is again, uncontrollable, yep. losing himself, um, unmoored he's unmoored and he's just losing himself again and he's really he's raging against god yeah Mm. yeah he's raging against the reality that that nebuchadnezzar is not king of the universe right that's right these people won't admit it (laughs) right and he didn't get he obviously didn't get get the interpretation of the dream. And now, of course, the, the beauty of this is, of course, they get thrown in, you know, they get thrown in. And then he looks in, verse uh, 24, King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. So you can just, envi- yeah. you can envision this, you know, this picture here. He declares to his counselor, did we not cast three men <laughs> into the fire? Uh, and they answered and said to the king, yeah, true, O king. He answered said, but I see four unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not heard, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Mm-hmm. Ah, I love it. I yeah, love it. Good, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so what I love here, obviously this is a pre-incarnate, well, yeah. not obvious, but we think it's a pre-incarnate, it's called a Christophany, mm-hmm. pre-incarnate uh, yeah. arrival of Jesus. He's the son of man, as the son of man in there, he's in there. There's something, this is what I was thinking, there's something new creation about this, Mm. okay? Mm. Because we know when Jesus, so when the incarnate Jesus gets crucified and buried and then he gets resurrected, Mm -hmm. he now has a new creation body, Mm -hmm. right? And so this is a, like a new event in history, like, like almost like a, like, like an ex nihilo event from the, from the beginning. This, Resurrection is that, right? So people can't really recognize him, remember? <laughs> Are you the gardener? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, right. And then he walks through walls mm-hmm. and then he sits down and then he eats, eats. fish. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, this is a dip, something different. Yeah. Well, here, these men, they were bound, right? Yeah. And, and then they're bound. Ba- so the ropes or whatever get melted off or burnt off, yeah. but their flesh doesn't get burnt. Right. Mm. Jesus is walking around in there. They're walking mm. around unbound. Right. So it's almost it's almost like a new creation type event, like God's doing something, you know, God's God's tangibly intervening into human history and protecting them from the laws of nature. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And He's in control of them. He yeah. can turn them off when He wants to turn right. them off. <laughs> right. Oh, you think fire's always hot? Yeah. Not anymore. <laughs> he flipped that switch. He flipped that switch, and yeah. now fire just look at it. It looks so cool. Yeah. You know, and. People get so tangled up. Oh, that's impossible. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's impossible. And nothing is impossible with God. Mm. He built the laws of the universe and he can tweak them when he wants to tweak them. And I was just thinking too, like the people that were watching and seeing what they saw, you know, Mm. or if not, 
coming to faith or, you know, their faith being strengthened in the midst of their suffering and them still having joy and, and, and Jesus shows up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he yeah. shows up, you know, and that was just, that's just good news. You know, I'll tell you, uh, let me give you an example. And, and we've had this, you know, we've had COVID restrictions and all kind of stuff going on. And we had, you know, Pastor uh, John MacArthur in California, he stood up when uh, a lot of people didn't. I wasn't, I wasn't standing up. It was early on. And he said, you know what? We're commanded by God to gather. Mm-hmm. And there in this country, there is a separation of church and state. And the state does not have the right to, without clear, without clearly showing like bubonic plague or something, the state does not have a right to shut us down. Mm. Well, the state of California being very liberal and, and seizing a lot of power over the rise of the rights of its citizens said, we don't care what you say. We're going to shut you down. And they, they, they shut them down for a few weeks. John MacArthur sued the state and won mm. and they got a payout from the state of over $800,000. Mm. Wasn't aware of that. And, and why? Because in a, le- a court of law, it was deemed that the state indeed had overstepped their bounds. Mm. And a lot of people, a lot of Christians were going, just go with the flow, John. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. He not only understood his, the scriptures in a certain way, he understood the law better than those Christians that were saying, yeah. just go along Interesting. with it. Wow. And even the state and, you know, the, the state of California is very liberal and they, yet they still awarded them the judgment and, and, yeah. and they won. Yeah. You know? Wow, yeah. that's surprising. Yeah. So, and, and a lot of people like me even, I'm sitting here going, okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could learn something from that, yeah. you know? I need to lo- I need to understand the law a little bit yeah, better. I need right. to understand my Bible a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that seeing a man stand up against you know maybe a little bit of a Babylonian mm-hmm. moment that gave me faith. Mm-hmm. That gave me courage. And then the yeah. suffering that maybe like the stuff that he probably went through in the in the in the in the in the midst of that, you know, of people, you know, lashing him, just just go along, just go along and he's like, "No, I'm going to stand up for yep. what God's word says." And I just listened to a podcast of two Canadian pastors who one had been in jail for three months and the other had been in jail for like 18 days just for gathering and preaching the gospel. And it's not, it wasn't during like any terrible COVID outbreak. It was just Canada said, you cannot gather. You cannot, you you absolutely cannot like put fences around their church, the whole Mm. deal, drug him out in handcuffs in front of his kids and everything Mm. for preaching the gospel. And, uh, you know, I think we need stories like that to go, Oh, that's what we're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. That's what totalitarian state governments, that's what they devolve to. Yeah. yeah. You know, they want to control every aspect of a human life. Yeah. You know? So, so. Well, and I, I, I'm going to go back and emphasize what you had said earlier, and that is that we as Americans, independent Americans and such, want to be that one who does stand up, right? And that, there's something very noble about that, and that's why we want it. I mean, there is something very good about individuals standing up for truth, standing up for principles, and, and we should admire that. But we will not be those people if we don't prepare ourselves for those people. In other words, it goes back to what you were saying. You, you don't do this off of just kind of the spur of the moment without having had that daily prayer. God, continue today. May I see you as the king. May I see your kingdom. May your kingdom come here. You know, you know, we, we need to be doing that. We need to be understanding that we will be persecuted and not be surprised when we are. We need to be understanding that we live in a, in a world, not just a country, a world that is opposed to the truth of God because, you know, this is the world we live in and it's not been redeemed yet. 
all of these things need to be things that we need to be continually thinking about and really even testing ourselves. Am I too comfortable? What do I need to do to not be so comfortable? You know, yeah. I, some of these things, uh, because I want to be that person, but I need to prepare myself to be that person. Mm-hmm. And um, we need to be doing that on a regular basis. That's a good point. Because if you were, li- let me just say it like this. If you're living on the edge of your income and you're mm-hmm. not saving and you and you're spending everything you got, and you are in a job and they say to you, here's the new gender pronouns that you have to use. Here's, you could, you know, there's a lot of different areas that go. You are going to be, it's going to be a lot more difficult for you to go, nope, man does not live by bread alone, but by the word of God, I'm going to go, I'm going to trust God and get, no, because you know, if you, maybe you can't go one month without a paycheck. Maybe right. you can't go, you know, what, six months without a paycheck right. or whatever. And so we do need, we need to be wise as serpents. Yeah. And we need to be, you know, yeah. prepared yeah. and living wisely and um, modestly or, or, or um, conservatively, or I can't remember the, the word, I'm, um, the word's escaping me that I'm looking for right off the top of my head, but um, so that we can, we can stand strong. Cause I know there's a lot, I'm, Porterbrook on Saturday, mm-hmm. I was getting a lot of questions Those about good questions going up about you know you know my job's asking me to do this, my job's asking me to do that, and and they know it's right on the edge. Yeah, it's right on. It's like this might be too much, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and so we we've, we've got to be really we've got to be really careful and really wise about that, and we've got to expect. Um, if our country continues to go the way that it's going, then we're all, we're all going to suffer. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not, it, I don't see it too far away where they could, we could be locked down for carbon emissions and environmental concerns. And, and we, I could be shut off for, for talking about homosexuality and the Christian sexual ethic that Facebook could just shut me down and our live stream get shut down and the city kicks us out of the junior theater. Like that's not far Nope. I don't see that very far down down the road if we continue with this trajectory. Now we're we're praying that that God would do something different and stop us in our tracks and and reverse this thing. But we need we need to be prepared. Yeah, that's we right. Need to be prepared. Mm-hmm. So it ends this this one here ends on a high note. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the rest of the book, not so much. But uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it's a cycle. We just see this. We just see this continued cycle. Um, but I was encouraged by it. I was really encouraged by it. I think um, it's important for us to to be thinking through it. And uh, God rescues them, but He doesn't guarantee He doesn't guarantee yeah. He's going to rescue all of us. Yeah, and the beauty of it is is that those men even understood. Even if you don't, that's okay. I've got God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you may yeah. take my life, but then I've got God. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> my greater joy. So, hundred <laughs> percent. Whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. This is a dress rehearsal for my real life yeah. in the new heavens. That's right. And guess what? I want to be faithful in the dress rehearsal. So I'd rather go out faithful and then go <laughs> into the dress rehearsal and God's like, good job, yeah. my, my good and faithful servant. Right. Then be unfaithful now and get a longer dress rehearsal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Many of us are That's living good. for the dress rehearsal. That's we're, good. We're living for the dress rehearsal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Rob, I appreciate all the time you put into it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to Daniel chapter four whenever we get that on the calendar. <laughs> uh, anything else, guys? All right. We hope this is a blessing to you. If you've got any questions, please email us, Justin Dean at sacredcitychurch.com or Rob at sacredcitychurch.com. We love you guys. God bless you. Talk to you soon. Peace out.
at the top of the air and he says, no, I know that's <laughs> good idea. Let's create a whole idol. <laughs> and then he, you so know, demands everybody to <laughs> yep. bow down.